This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Today's phone-in show revolves around Edu, Arsenal's sporting director and the man in charge of delivering the deals between now and the end of the January transfer window. That is, if indeed he can deliver them. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Arsenal phone-in show. I promised that I would do one of these. And so with the interest from you guys this morning in wanting one, I'm hoping that plenty of you are going to join me in discussing this topic, which, as I mentioned at the start of the show, is about Edu Gaspar. Uh, he has been named the 2023 Best Director and yet finds himself seemingly under a lot of scrutiny from sections of the fan base. My question for you today is, is that pressure deserved? Does he deserve to be under pressure? Is there any pressure anyway that truly exists either from the owners or from uh, a majority of the fans? And what is it that he needs to ultimately do this window to deliver realistically a successful January window? And what is the expectations of Edu Gaspar on this club moving forwards. If you would like to get involved in the phone-in show, the link to do that is in today's uh, chat box. You can see it. I'm also going to put it into uh, the description of today's video as well, though I realize now I've not done that. Uh, so I'll do that very briefly. If you want to refresh uh, in about 30 seconds' time, you'll be able to see that link uh, pop up. In fact, it should be there now. Uh, but it is indeed in the chat box if you want to get involved. Of course, while we wait for the phones to start ringing, I'll be tackling plenty of your comments in the comments section as best as I can whilst we wait for some other callers. What tends to happen with these is that it's a little slow. It gets going. People join. And then by the end, I'm kind of batting away people. Um, so let's wait and see how today's phone-in show goes. If you want to get involved, you need to be over the age of 18. You need to have a webcam turned on and a good quiet place to record with a strong internet connection this is of course as i like to say a family show so please bear that in mind if you're coming on to the show uh, let's jump into the chat box while we await uh, some of our 
potential listeners um, to the chat box. Uh, I'm just going to pin this comment so people know uh, how indeed they can join. There we go. Lovely stuff. Um, how did Bakary Lasagna, uh, Chris Chan, John G, uh, Junior in the chat as well, Matt Tomo, uh, Abe, MIL Reaction, we've got Damien, uh, we've got uh, Moss, we've got Melanie, NSW, Temi, Amira, uh, Mike, uh, we've got Tom, we've got Matt G and MM as well. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for tuning in. Uh, Temi here says, zero pressure since the owners are motivated enough to win trophies. Temi. Come on the show, mate. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think there is no pressure on Edu. We're going to bring in our first caller. It is ML Reactions already joined us in the chat box. Hey, dude, James, you good? You well, mate? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm doing good, you know, Tom. I tried to join other morning shows, but I was unable because I'm busy with work and such. But yeah, how about you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not too shabby. Uh, what is it that's that's encourage you if you like to to jump into the, can i just quickly is there a tv on in your background i just don't want to get done for copyright that's all ah uh, yeah 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 <laughs> there is yeah. I'm turning it off, otherwise it might it may affect uh the copyright that's all i'm worried about all right hold on let me switch up again you'll do mate i'll just get mr reaction back in the show once you sort out the tv it's always that risk you've got to take you know uh, it was very quiet in the background, so I think it'll be fine. But you never want to take those chances. Uh, Abe says, what could a man do if there is nothing available? We could only get what fits our budget and our vision as well, which I think is a fair point. Uh, let's bring MIL back in, mate. Tell me, Edu, is he under pressure? Yes, he's under pressure, but it's undeserving pressure. Okay, tell me why. Give okay, given, given his recent record and what he has done, I think it's undeserving pressure, but basically what I am seeing from the different perspective is that we need more because we failed to win the title last season. Mm. So because of that, that creates more pressure to say, hey, we missed a striker. If we did have a striker, we could have scored 20 plus goals, which would give us the league. When truly and in fact, that is a probability. That's not a fact to say, hey, if we get a 20 plus goal a season striker, we're guaranteed to win the league. We're up against a machine that is called Man City. A machine. They're like the Terminators. No matter what you do, they will always be back. Mm. So oh. because of that... Okay. Yes, continue. Yes, so because of that, it creates the pressure for us as fans to say, all we need to do is throw money at it, throw money at it. If we get the striker, that will guarantee us the league. No, that doesn't guarantee us the league because we're up against Man City. They have been relentless for the last six seasons. They only failed to win the title once to Liverpool, and that was because of what? I think it was a five-point or a three-point difference. Which other team in the Premier League have you seen been that relentless back-to-back -back and so con consecutively? Yeah, I mean, Liverpool the only team that got close, you know, to trying to match Man City. It's very difficult to see um, consistently another team being as successful. But there's obviously a lot of allegations pointed towards Man City at the same time. So Arsenal aren't only up against, you know, a very tough competitor, but they're also up against a team that allegedly uh, have got a lot of question marks about their operations as well. What would you say to the people that think that he should be sacked then? All right, saying that Arteta should be sacked. No, Edu. Oh, who would you replace him with? That's my only question. Who would you replace him with? Because so far, he has... Question, he it? has stepped up. 
we know about managers, don't we? We know we'd say we replace this manager with this manager, but technical directors, it's and sporting directors is much much diff- much more difficult to, to to say who do you replace them with. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, cause it's not a guarantee. It's like a roll of the dice when you're trying to re- replace a technical director. You will look at his record and say, "Hey, he's the one that signs Messi when he was young and bring him to Barcelona." So he has to be a good technical alerter. But when you bring him to Arsenal, there are more bad deals than actual good ones. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the, the Raul Sanity um, up, appointment. Look at that. We were saying Raul Sanity was a good appointment. He was going to do this and he was going to do that and help us. And in the end, it didn't work out. So it's a roll of the dice. Mm. Yeah, I think that when the question comes as to... Why should I, why should Edu lose his job when a obviously he just won director uh, of 2023? Uh, his recruitment of delivering Arteta's vision has got us into a position where you know when Arteta took over we were in 11th place. Now we've moved from there to a title race in four full seasons. It's difficult, isn't it, to see why um, you'd have the argument to, to move him on? But Yes. People seem to think that way, James. So I guess we'll have to see how he does. Any final thoughts before we move on? Oh, yes. Before we move on, I, I'm not sure on the Fox, but I recently recently saw that I don't think we're, we will be able to make any major deals in January because we're still at a loss. The club is still facing a loss. It's a grand total. I think it was $199 million. So because of that, I'm pretty sure we might be unable to sign anyone in the January period. So we'd have to wait till someone to get any significant transfer in. Yeah, it's going to be really, really difficult um, for Arsenal to do any business during this window um, because, as you say, the, the, the restrictions that they've got um, and the situation the club finds itself in is is challenging. Um, but, James, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for your support in the chat box and always tuning in. It is, it is very much appreciated. Yes, thank you, Tom. I hope you have a great day. Thanks, James. Much appreciate his time um, on the show today. Um, And uh, please make sure you're showing plenty of love in the chat box. Uh, We're going to bring in our next caller, which is Tom. Great name, Tom. Uh, First of all, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Hi, Tom. Uh, Great name as well. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Tell me what's made you want to call in on this one then, because obviously Edu transfers is quite a a volatile subject. Do you think that there is pressure on Edu as, as sporting director? Well, um, to be honest, you know, I've, I've been watching a lot of your shows lately, um, a lot of points that have been spoken about, and it gets me a lot of thinking, especially the transfers, the, uh, the youth, uh, you know, even the discussion regarding the youth, play, playing the youth, and I'll, I'll try to work my foot. Well, let's talk about the, let's talk about the transfers first. Sure. Um, I've read, uh, I've heard, or like uh, the guy previous said before me, but Arsenal are actually uh, lost in the last three years the 195 in losses in the last right. three years. I wouldn't and, be able to tell you that figures myself, but I'll yeah, I've, 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 yeah, I, I've, I've heard, uh, I got the figures. It's actually, it was quite interesting. Um, I follow. Uh, Ter- you know the terrace yes football terrace and he had yeah and he had this show regarding arsenal and uh the fact that people believe that we are rich and we're capable of buying and actually showed that 
why we actually uh, actually are very close to to FFP or or the yeah. sustainability rules. And the crazy thing is regarding transfers is when we came in the beginning of January, we, we obviously had the three defeats and a lot of injuries. And I think it was a lot of panic because, you know, Zinchenko was, you know, Zinchenko was bad. It was, it was a bit of a poor form and then he was injured and then, and then Kivio was not performing and everybody was talking about having a defender. And, and the crazy thing is, by the time we played Not uh, Nottingham Forest at the end of January, we could be potential uh, having the full squad mm. minus Timber, who, according to reports now, is coming back next week, uh, next well, month. Training could be well training. training next month. But I mean, a lot of I mean, a lot of people say that he'll be aiming for the beginning of March. Uh, yeah. So. And and obviously before the that poor form in the beginning of January, before those three defeats, and and a lot of people said, I mean, the striker situation is not something new. It's something that you know we even you spoke about it in in the summer, and you know we've we've spoken about having a, an attacking player, Kudus, um, which obviously now once i see the, once i understand the the ffp i understand why we didn't buy it you know why we yeah. didn't probably had time ability to get someone and but no one was this no one was talking about uh no one talking about a defender issue uh nobody was talking about even even the middlefield was was people mostly seem okay it, it was really a story of what happened to Pate because there was conversation about him selling, but as long as we kept Pate, nobody was arguing that we had with we were had such requirement in defense and middle field. And I think it's more generated as as a panic buys than uh, toward January because of the form and the injuries than actual needs uh, that that we would consider. I mean. Imagine we we didn't lose, you know, part, even we didn't lose parties so, so long, or, or or even the Zinchenko and Tomiyasu injuries. I, I I don't think it will be in such volumes this requirements of of players. So in the end of the day, so so what I'm saying is that I think in the end of the day, I mean, the attack, the only real need we have, I assume, is is at least for this season, is the attacking player, mm. and. Well, I think there's more. I, I think that you can look at. Obviously, I think we need goals. I think that's that's been said. You know, a striker that's going to take Arsenal to the next level. I don't think you're going to get that in in January. Yeah, exactly. And 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 by the way, the the, the thing about the goals. I mean, we always come up with the stats that last season we we had the most. We scored the most goals we ever did without this, you know, specially number nine and. It's not even that you, you see it. You know, you see it in in past seasons. Manchester City before Holland uh, didn't have a prolific striker. Even Liverpool, they don't have a prolific number nine. I mean, even the closest they have they have is, is Nunez, and yeah, and course. they being and they being sharing the goals. I think it's it's more of a style of play that that defines the number of goals we have this season as we're playing more compact, like like you say, mostly so. I don't think the, the the number nine 
you know, like people said that once Haaland will come in, then City will score 30, 40 goals more because that's what he brings. But it didn't happen. It's, 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 they don't score more goals. They score around the same goals. The only difference is, is the focus mm. of, of who's scoring them. Mm. So instead of, of older playing players having 10, 15 goals, then Haaland takes 40 goals and the rest. So I don't think having that elite striker will suddenly give us the... I mean, even if we get a 30 goals striker, it doesn't add automatically 30 goals to our season. It doesn't. You're right. And Liverpool are a really good example of, of that because they had Firmino, of course, and, and they've added Nunez, but he's certainly not scored You know the, the, the goals that maybe some people thought that he might. And he's been playing in a multitude of positions from left through to the middle as well and obviously coming on as an impact sub in certain games. They have got the benefit of Mohamed Salah, which is certainly something that shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, yeah. Of course, before that. But you're right. I think that there is something to be said about the fact that you can win a league, you can compete for a title with having a squad which shares the goals around. It's not just about one player scoring. And even when you look at Man City, yes, Erling Haaland is, has been a top scorer for them last season and will probably continue to do so. You look at the amount of goals last season that Julian Alvarez had. You look at the amount of goals that, that Foden gets. You look at the amount of goals that Kevin De Bruyne, of course, scores and Bernardo Silva scores. You need to share goals around. And, and that's important. But I suppose to bring it back to the question, Tom, is how does Edu's profile, the perception of Edu, and how he's sinned? Because I know there's a lot of people that aren't keen on him staying. Do you think that, that they're right to have him scrutinised or is he getting too much flack? First of all, I, I think... I, first of all, it's ridiculous. I mean, for the fact that you were basically owning the best director of the year. I mean, he won the award. It's like saying it's, it's like saying you want out Haaland because you think he doesn't score enough goals or you get injured, but you know he's the best he's getting he's getting recognized by the footballing world and and i mean it you know it's so so for me it's crazy i i think it's more i think it's more down to frustration um because as as you said a lot it's 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 more down to his over over performing him and Anteta as well they both suffer from the same thing because mm. how they overperformed last year and how the players they brought in are suddenly uh, have done so well, and now it, it just turns into expectation. And once they 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 don't do the expectation, they they seem washed up. Like look look at and look at Klopp. Um, Klopp, I think it's a great example because last season, basically everybody w was writing him off um, when he was struggling, and he was. Yeah talking about this seven-year each he has with Dortmund. They gave the example of Dortmund that after seven years, he was he was losing his his touch and, and, and everybody was like, the expectation was so high on him that one bad season, basically people write him off. And, mm -hmm. and um, you know, you see him this season. And I think that the, the perfect example of, 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 um, how a system sometimes is better what, what it's it's more um it's getting the right player than the shiny ones because uh, people remember i mean i remember i have a chelsea i have a friend who's a chelsea fan i remember him oh, laughing sorry. off at laughing off at, at at liverpool for for losing out the caicedo and 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 
and Levi and getting Endo and mm. look where Liverpool now. Well, look, Endo looks like one of one of the signing. You know, looks amazing and bargain signing. He looks very good, doesn't he? I mean, imagine yeah, if they exactly. Got, um, imagine if they had got Caicedo uh, 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 through the door. That would have been very well. I, I I mean it's 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 a mix. It's 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 an interesting question because I've been always asking myself because I think. You know, you you talk about a lot about uh, Brighton and how their player are uh, pan out and how Caicedo seemingly uh, looked because they had one good, uh, very had like good year and a half, and he was you know one of the main guys. And the fact that um, it, it's 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 more of a you know I I wouldn't call it one season wonder because I, I assume I know that Caicedo have a lot of potential but I don't think it, if if Caicedo was brought into Liverpool it's it's a, it would have been an instant uh, upgrade on 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 Endo because I think Endo was brought in first of all he had a very good season in Stuttgart people pretty don't don't understand it but he was pretty good at the German league I mean and I think it. I think there's a misconception and um, around it, and I, I think that uh, uh, it, it just shows sometimes that people have to, you know, uh, have to 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 be a bit more understanding. You know, the the, the people who do who do this job have probably a bit more understanding than we are on on situation, mm. and. And, um, and yeah, it's, no, it's, I, I, I see where you're coming from, Tom. A lot. I think that there is something to be said about the em empathy. Might be going too far, but more of an understanding about where things are with their do. But Tom, I really appreciate your point of view and jumping onto the show and sharing your views. Uh, thank you, mate. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time, Tom. Uh, make sure you have Tom plenty of love in the chat box. Fantastic contribution. Let's bring in Rob to the conversation. How are you doing, Rob? You good? You well? Yeah. Good morning from New Zealand. How are you? Uh, to you, Tom, and to all the uh, Guna talkers. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. So hopefully, sorting out my housing situation and my dog's doing pretty well. So, in the scheme of things, yeah, not too bad. I'm really glad to hear that, mate. Thank you. Um, yeah, Edu is the topic, and I know that is it's it's one that you uh, obviously put in the morning show chat box. You were keen on the phone in show about Edu and the perception of Edu. As I've mentioned a number of times already, he's won this award last season, uh, the Golden Boy Awards for being the best director. Is was that is, is he underrated? Is he overrated? I mean, someone that's winning kind of and getting appreciation in the footballing world for what he's doing, and then still seemingly getting so much flack from his own supporters. It's a strange dynamic, is it not? Well, definitely. I mean, I think I think the thing is that um when when in the title you've got is he under um you know is is he got he's getting flack right because mm. people on social media just like to complain about stuff <laughs> so so at that level he's under pressure but i think in reality you've got to look at who his employers are right mm. case, i'm sure do not think or do we need to replace Edu? I'm sure that they're pretty happy with 
Hmm. So he's been at the club from what um, little research I'd done for like four and a half years under two different <clears throat> titles. I imagine that the roles are, are maybe not changed that much. But I did again, you know, I don't I don't know the technical detail of, um, you know, what the role involves. Right. So, hmm. you know, it's hard. I think all of these people that are on social media that are giving him flack. <clears throat> I wonder how much they understand of what his actual job entails. Sure. I would imagine not much, right? <laughs> so um... oh, it's always going to be limited, isn't it? I think obviously we go off face value and we understand that he's the guy that's leading transfer negotiation and has kind of the the big say between the link between him and the the board. But I would always argue that he is the guy that delivers Arteta's vision. So yes. When we talk about kind of the players that we've signed and we say, well, Ed, Edu gets credit for this and Arteta gets credit for this or whatever, I think it's a little bit semantic because I think that actually everyone has to agree on the deals that are done. But in the end, Arteta is the guy that is going to be at the face of the transfer front because we aren't signing a player that Arteta doesn't want, are we? No, but <clears throat> definitely not. Well, you know... Arsenal aren't, thankfully, but then mm. you look at like Chelsea or um, maybe Nottingham Forest, you know, like those teams. I think those um, sporting directors could be under pressure because, you know, they're spending all of this money. Chelsea somehow getting away with it. Nottingham Forest, not so much um, at the moment. Mm. Um and they are not getting the results with the with the large amounts of money and the numbers of players that they're they're picking up. Mm. Um, so I would say that those are under pressure. But I mean, this is the strange thing about Arsenal fans is we, in the scheme of it, are getting the results compared to four and a half years ago. You know, we're progressing year on year, right? So. I mean, I think it's an un unrealistic expectation from Arsenal supporters. Mm. You know, sure, mm. if, if say, in a year or two years, we drop down to fifth or sixth, drop out of the Champions League, still haven't got any trophies, then, yeah, you have to look at kind of year on year that there is there isn't progression, there's regression. Then, sure. yeah, sure, I think then there's pressure and and rightly so but <clears throat> you know I, I think that the Cronkays had a vision when they actually started spending money yeah um, and I think that that kind of shared vision that Edu and Arteta and the Cronkays have got um <clears throat> you know that the, as a as a whole between all yeah. of them they're they're realizing that vision so i don't you know i don't think he's under any pressure realistically i think the only pressure that the i think the only way that maybe he's failing mm. perhaps it could be argued i'm not i'm yeah. not convinced of this but it could be argued mm. um that, that he do, that we don't sell well yeah you know it, i don't think there's any question that we're probably in this financial position and maybe I'm segueing for you here. No, um, no, I think it's, it's a good segue. Um, the, you know, the, the the reality that we are in this window, that we are probably not going to be able to buy any um, 
you, you know, substantial. We're not going to be able to make any substantial signings. It's, I would say one of the main reasons for that is that we haven't sold players on well enough. Yeah. Now, it could be argued that <clears throat> that isn't 100% Edu's fault because he's, he's inherited he a lot of the resources that are here. Yeah, well, and he's he's having to sell on players that, you know, Arteta and him weren't in the roles when they were signed. Yeah. You know, like Pepe, Aubameyang, um, Lacazette. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of those were players that were already at the club that Arteta didn't want, mm. you know, potentially were bad eggs as well. <clears throat> so to be blamed for not being able to sell those on at decent prices or or any price <laughs> in the case yeah. of three of them um y- you know th- that's that's questionable about whether that's really i think there is a good argument rob that some of those players that we've listed should have been sold better like leno yes. the money we got for him was you know a pittance it really when you consider this is someone that was in his mid to late 20s um was moving to another premier league club was a german senior international yes was a number two at arsenal but the fact that he went for three million with add-ons rising to about eight million in total is a pathetic amount of money quite frankly yeah. you know and you know this is coming from someone that you know has defended edu a lot but the, the leno thing I, I never i've never been able to get my head around why it was such a, a small amount of money the the Genduzi one I have more of an understanding of for sure, um, but yeah, the the Mavropanos one was very low as well. And you consider what West Ham have now bought him for. Uh, there has been sales that there are certainly question marks over. Um, and I I hope that in the summer where we've got players like Enketia, like Nelson, like Ramsdale, you know, if we if we make a loss on Aaron Ramsdale. That would be something really to be held against um, Edu as something that is a failure because, you know, a year ago, he was a starting Premier League player in a title race, you know, an England international. Uh, so that was different. Paul says Torreira. Torreira's situation was quite specialised because of the situation that he went through and the, the way in which he acted online as well, following the, the sad passing of his mother, of course, as well. And and that did create a, a dynamic where only really Galatasaray were, were interested and you don't tend to see big money deals done in that direction. So I think that's that's certainly something that's worth. Uh, and you raise a good point with the sales, Rob, in terms of that. Any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at um, how, if you look at the signings that we've made, yeah, that Edu's made, and we came to be selling those players. I think for the major- majority of them, we would make a profit mm. right now. So I think you, you've got to say that those have been good signings. And I would also say that of the signings that have been made in each window, <clears throat> overall, I would say that they've strengthened the team. Mm. So I would say that in regards to what you're, you know, I don't, as I said, don't I don't know what the whole role involves. But in regards to purely the signings, <clears throat> then I think the signings that we've made are, are good, have been in each overall, have been in each window. They've improved the team. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a positive. 
I think that, you know, we were talking whether whether you agree that Raya should have come in or not. I think that was a genius piece of business. Oh, without question. But yeah. We got him on loan rather than um rather than having to sign him. Um yeah. and Agreed. I think and I think that even the options low, 27 million quid with three Well, that's million. what I was gonna say. Like if we yeah. were gonna have had to bought him outright, it yeah. would have been more than that. Surely, I mean, I, well, I found. I, I don't know, but I, when you were talking about like Bayern being interested, Spurs were interested. I was thinking, well, Ray is going to go for forty million plus. The fact that yeah. Arsenal have managed to get yeah. him for twenty-seven plus through the three million low move uh, yeah. is again another thirty-ish million pound deal that we've seen under Edu. Like Tommy Asu was twenty, Odegaard was thirty, Zinchenko was about thirty. Um, those deals that we've done, Timber was 38, I think, you know, the deals we've done around that 30 million figure, the quality that we've been able to add for a figure that is in the current state of the market, not deemed to be a wildly expensive amount of money, is very good. Um, Gabriel, I think, was, what, 25? But I think Raul Sanyehi had more of a hand in, in that one, to be fair. But you look at those deals, you look at what we've added, um, Trossard at 21 to 27 million as well from Brighton and he was practically a starter there I know that he'd fell out with Deserbi at that point but still again very very good pieces of business you're right yeah like, and just mm -hmm. the, just the last point I think mm -hmm. so so th this the buying has been great if if um you know between Edu and you know the the negotiators if if we can if he can up his game in regards to selling on players as uh, you know Reese Nelson, NK, uh, Ramsdale, if he goes, or even, you know, I can't see it happening, but even you, you've said in the past, like, you're not sure about Raya um, completing the the deal. Not not necessarily yeah. you personally, but like, is it going to happen? Oh, no, no, just this, what I've been told is that whenever I've asked yeah, yeah. about the option being activated, I'm told that's not been decided yet. But, but, but you know, I think I, I very much think that it will <laughs> get done. Well, yeah. Activate and then sell him on for an extra five million or or yeah, however many will be in the market. <laughs> like he's you know, I, I think that's why it was a it was a no brainer as and brilliant mm. deal because yeah, even if we he didn't do that well, we're not going to lose money on it. Or either we either he doesn't do well, we pay the three mil as a loan and and send him back. He does well. We want to keep him as number one. We've got yeah. a good deal. He does well, and we don't want to keep him as number one. We sell him on for more than 20, 27 or the thirty in total. Mm. So yeah, as, as long as as long as Edu can up his game with selling, you know, Enketia Ramsdale, Reese Nelson, um, whoever else might go um, in the summer. You know, even Zinchenko could be under pressure. You know, someone like that maybe yeah, yeah. would be interesting. If, if you can, if you can up that, or I mean, ideally, if we could sell someone in this transfer window and get someone in as cover, um, yeah, genius. That would, you know, then that would cement him. But in regards, you know, just finishing off, in regards to the question, he isn't under any pressure from the Cronkays, and ultimately, mm. the Cronkays are his employer. I'm sure they're very happy in, uh, you know, where we were when he came into the role and the progression year on year. Mm. And and also another massive point is um, he seems really well liked by, yeah. by the players, by, you know, he's got a great relationship with Arteta yeah. um, in the doco. He seems like a nice guy full of smiles. 
someone that you kind of want to work with. So he is a very friendly man. Yeah. His employers, the Cronkays, I think would would uh, appreciate the job that he's done, and the people that work under him and around him, I think would you know look upon him as as a you know a decent employer himself. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I no pressure at all. It's just it's just social media, uh, you know the the loudest tweet, and maybe you know I'm going to say it. The most ignorant view has the loudest tweet. You know, <laughs> that's what I think. Sometimes it does. That's the world we live in these days, sadly, Rob. But I really appreciate you jumping on and give us your thoughts as always, my friend. It's good to speak to you. Yeah, great to chat with you and great show. And uh, yeah, look forward to listening to the other listeners as well. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate your time, mate. Speak soon. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you to Rob. I'm plenty of love in the chat box, please. Let's bring Jay, who's been waiting very patiently. Jay, how you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Can you hear me? I can indeed. Clear and crisp, which is good. Oh, that's Uh, nice. That's nice. Yeah. Tell me where you're at with Edu, mate. Okay. Okay. Um, First of all, I have to ask you some questions, okay? I want to be sure before I get into my points. Okay, so my first question is this. Um, did Ateta in his press conference say that there will be no transfers? No. He never said that. He's never said that we won't be doing any business, no. Okay, okay. So that means we, I had a false information. Okay. And uh, I don't want to mention his name, but uh, it's, it's, I think he's... Um, okay, let me mention his name. I think he gave a false information. So I think that's confused a lot of Arsenal fans. So uh, his yeah his his name is Lee Ghana. I think right. you've heard of him before. Yeah, he sure. said that Ateta said there will be no transfer. So I'm really confused. Yeah. So uh, secondly, my yeah. As far as I'm aware, and I cover obviously cover every single presser um, either in there or remotely as well. Um, he said things like we're focusing on the players we have, um, mm-hmm. and that he wants to obviously develop the the players that we have at the club. So whenever he's asked about transfers, the often answer that he gives is, in fact, I think I did an entire article on what Arteta and Edu have said um, about uh, about their their business. Uh, in fact, yeah, I can. I can get you the exact quotes if you like. So on November 29th, um, he said, we are really short at the back at the moment and we had to use the squad to make some changes. Um, perhaps changes could be coming, you know, uh, is, is what I wrote after that. So he said, we are really short at the back and we had to use the squad to make some changes. On December 6th, he said um, to work, uh, Edu said to work for a football club like Arsenal is always busy, isn't it? Uh, you need to put in a lot of effort and energy and dedicate a lot of time. But of course, in January and the summer, it does intensify a bit. We are prepared. We have big people around the club to support me and the decisions. We always have our targets. It is important to be prepared for every single scenario. That is very important. On December 8th, uh, Arteta said, let's see, when he was asked about transfers, we are going to have to adapt. We have what we have right now. The January transfer window is coming up and we will have to assess where the squad is and the needs that we have. But at the moment, it is not something that we can change. We have to play all the games now throughout December in the best possible way to keep winning games. Um, I'm going to keep going because I think you want the answers to this question. Um, December 27th, he says, at the moment, it is very difficult. We are really short. We have positions that we have been very exposed for in the last six weeks and hopefully we're going to get players back in what condition and when that's the question mark as well because we have some long-term injuries um but it is a very very tricky market 
a very tricky market that shifts very quickly and it is quite unpredictable as well. And you have to be prepared. We will be prepared and we will try to make the right calls. If there is something that we can do to improve the squad and that's uh, and that need appears when we cannot fulfill it with players that are here, we are always going to be open to do that because we want to be stronger. So I think that as a quote is a pretty strong one in answer to your question where I think Arteta has said, yes, if there is the opportunity, if there is the potential to do something, they will. But no, he has never said outright at, at the moment, to this stage, no, we're not signing any players. Okay, so basically based on the FFP, definitely they have to sell some players before they can buy yeah. you know, some players, yeah. And then who are you looking that they can sell? Maybe one person that you think they can possibility they can sell. Um, it's a tough one because you've got a, for a sale to happen, A, you need a player that you're willing to let go of. B, you need a buying club to come in with an amount of money that is a reasonable figure um, to make that deal happen. And that's the problem. I mean, you look at the players like Enketia, Nelson, Ramsdale and Smith-Rowe, I'd look at those as probably our most sellable assets at the moment. But there isn't anything in the way of either interest or a reasonable offer coming in for them. So I would say one of those four, but there isn't anything in the way of clubs moving in a direction to try and sign them at the moment. That could change between now and the end of the window, but there is nothing there. So... As you say, you're right. The only way Arsenal are going to invest money this window is if we bring in money, which doesn't seem to be very realistic at the moment. So the only other option is to sign somebody on loan. That would be the other option that Arsenal have. But at the moment, we've not seen too much in the way of rumours about a loan player yet. But if that does happen, I think it will happen towards deadline day, to be honest. Okay, so now back to Edu. Now, I want to know, does Edu do the buying or the selling? Which one? Or he does both? He does, does it all. Okay. involved in all of it. With a team of people, he's involved with all of it, yeah. Okay, so um, last summer, and before he bought Kai Havertz, right, the mm. question is this. Um, did you know about the FFP situation before he decided to buy Kai Havertz? Because, you know, Kai Havertz has a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he knew about it. So, and especially, I was surprised that he bought Kai Havertz when mm. his value dropped. I think yeah. he could have bought Kai Havertz at a much cheaper price. That is my opinion. How? No, because his value dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just want to know how he would have signed him because the negotiations were that Arsenal initially went in with, I think, about 55. Um, I think Arsenal... Hold on, let me find it. Uh, I think it was 55 million was the first bid. Um, yeah, first bid of 55 million pounds was rejected. I think they had a second bid of 60 million also rejected and then they eventually agreed on a deal at 65. So my yeah, argument would be how do you sign someone for cheaper than the club are willing to sell for. No, I'm saying that based on I'm, I'm trying to say that the negotiation has to do with the value. So if someone's value has dropped, there is no need for you to buy the person at an expensive price. That's that's my How opinion. How much did Chelsea sign him for? I think it was 70 something million or something, 75 yeah, or something. 75. I think it's what it was. Um yes. so his value has dropped. Um and they did sign him for less than what Chelsea bought him for. If you're arguing that they could have signed him for less than what they did, I, I'd answer that by saying I don't know how when they rejected two okay. offers for Havertz. Oh, okay, yeah, you told me about initial office. I knew about the initial office. But my point is this. 
if like someone's value has dropped and there's an FFP situation, we definitely have to find someone and another alternative. That's what I'm trying to say. Because if the FFP had no problem, mm. we could buy him. But we realized that they, they knew that they had a problem with the FFP. So yeah. uh, what you call profits or sustainability rules, whatever. They had an issue, a financial issue. So I think they shouldn't have risked um, buying habits. Right. So every target that Arsenal have, obviously they are, Edu is basically, as we've talked about, exercising Mikel Arteta's vision for the team. So okay. it effectively, in, in really basic terms, be Arteta and Edu will meet with other people at the club about the players that they want to go and sign in the summer. Arteta's vision for what he sees of his squad will be discussed. Edu and, and those scouts around him might try to find the players that match the profile of player that Arteta is wanting. Or, of course, Arteta might put a specific player up himself. If Havertz was a player that Arteta wanted, Edu and what he has done is he's gone out and signed the player that Arteta wanted in getting him. And also you think about the players like Rice, you think about Raya and you think about Timber. Those four players that we signed were clearly players Arteta wanted. Edu's job was getting them within the realms of what we could spend. We bought Timber, um, Havertz and Rice and had those financial restrictions at the end of the window still. And that's why we obviously signed Raya on a loan deal with an option. So Edu managed to get that deal done as well, despite the fact that we would have struggled to, to, to buy Raya in that moment. So do you see what I'm saying? Edu is delivering what Arteta obviously wants in his yes, game. but you know, as a sports director, too, you can give him advice because let's say he wants to buy Habits, can say, No, Habits is too expensive, let's buy this player like Kudus or something. Like, he can give, and oh, that's not his job. Well, Kudus isn't the same player as Havertz, is he? No, Kudus can play attacking midfield, right? And Havertz is playing here, is he? Um, he can play it. I, I'm a Ghanaian, so I know he can play he's anywhere close to his best position, though. Like when you think about where he plays, oh, for yeah, Ghana, yeah. Or where he plays for West Ham, he's or a, where he played for Ajax, he was playing in yeah. very forward thinking roles. Yes, definitely. But I'm saying that he's very versatile, so I know him as yeah, a, like, I'm a Ghanaian. Yeah, so he can play that position if you put him. He's more versatile than Havertz, in my opinion. To me, I, I think Havertz is being misused <laughs> by Arteta. To be honest, I, I think that his best position is is in a forward position yeah. rather than a midfield position. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to have a debate about whether or not Kudus would have been better. I think Kudus has had a better season so far than Havertz as for West Ham for sure. I just think that if Arteta wanted a player in the mould of Havertz, that's why they went for Havertz and why they didn't go for Kudus. So again, I'd point the finger more at Arteta. For Havertz, no, would they do if that makes sense? Okay, okay, but I'm just saying that did they have any alternative to tell him? I'm necessarily Kudus, but did, did he suggest any other alter, alternative? I don't know. I don't you don't know. know, okay, 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 no. okay. Obviously, I think my solution was Mason Mount, Mason Mount was the priority, but Mason okay. Mount wanted to go to Manchester United, so they instead okay. moved to Havertz after Mason Mount preferred Man United, okay. How much were they going to buy Miss Mount for? How much were they going to buy him for, Miss Mount? Um, I think it was upwards of 50 million. Um, let me have a look. Yeah. Uh, he went for uh, 55 million. Yeah. Okay. So, what they first bid for, for Havertz is what they said. Okay. okay. So, I'll, I'll end it here. I want, to give, I want to give you like a, a, a suggestion. Maybe you might take into consideration. Um, probably, I'm sure there are some of the teams in Arsenal might be watching right now. So, here's a suggestion before. I leave. I want to make a quick suggestion. Mm. Yeah. Okay, What's so first suggestion? of all, yeah, first of all, there are some trackers that are very cheap right now. Um, Robbie is very cheap. 
I think it's around 17 million. Gorasi is like 15 Gorasi? million. Broby, Broby from Ajax. I don't know whether oh, it's the first Oh, Broby. Yes, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Then Gorassi too is also like 15 million. So I think we can uh, buy I don't cheaper. Think Gerasi is 15 million anymore. I think that release clause was just in this window. I will check that, but I think it was just this window that is released. Okay. And if they buy him, if they can get a solid player and buy him, the good thing about it is that when he's able to perform, definitely during the summer, definitely his value will grab. So it's not it's not a loss. And uh, I think that someone like we can sell someone like Nielsen to like Crystal Palace. Because yeah. they might be open to it. it. Yeah, if they can, they can come in for him and use him. So these are some of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting right now. So I think we should look into it and see what we can do. Mm, because we definitely need a striker. I, I absolutely think that we do need to go for a striker as a next kind of the, the next Declan Rice type deal for sure. You know, I think that is the next level of investment. I don't think it necessarily needs to be a, a cheaper option just because they're available. I think that Broby is a really interesting shout. You know, he's got 11 goals in 17 games in the Eredivisie this season for, for Ajax, four assists, and a very difficult season for Ajax as well. So he's certainly on the radar of young strikers out there that is is certainly a good shout. But uh, is he going to really take Arsenal to a title next season? Because really thinking about it, like Arsenal, when they sign somebody, have got to next season, the expectation is again the title. And for a lot of people, it's going to be the title. For me, it'll be competing for the title for sure. Is Broby going to start over Gabriel Jesus? I'm, I don't know. I don't know if he will. So, no, but you see, we have to look into this um, injuries. We have to also look that when we get those players, definitely, even if they underperform, we can still sell them and still get some money. So it's not like yeah. a, uh, like it's not a total loss. So definitely. So we should just give it a shot. We never know because we never know the future. But what if they perform and we get a title? What happens? Then we become happy. So like, let's give the fans what they want. Let them get a striker if they can. And let them, let them see what happens. Yeah, you know, the, at least they, they try their best. Yeah. It's those words, if they can, is, is the big question in this. And hopefully they can in the summer go and get that next level raise. I love that word from um, Killers Hon in the chat box, level raises. That's that's what Arsenal need, is players that are going to go yeah. to that next level. Jay, thank you for tuning in. I hope you're managed oh, to, yeah, you to answer your questions and give you the time of day for it as well. So I appreciate you calling in. I want to give a shout out to my, my WhatsApp group, uh, you know, Arsenal Faithfuls. We are in Ghana here. So, yeah. Brilliant. And I had, oh, yeah, yeah. I had, I'm so sorry yeah. about what happened to the African Cup of Nations, man. That must have been emotional. Yeah. But I heard that we could we could qualify still because yeah, I there's think still there's a hope, I think, isn't there? But it's just obviously yeah. frustrating, isn't it? How the things ended in that last game. But my goodness, yeah, man, definitely. Uh, definitely. Very incredible. But Jay, thank you. And uh, yeah, indeed, shout thank out. You. I, I had AFTVs coming to Ghana too, so I don't know whether you uh, you know about it. 
Oh, I think they are going to Ghana. Yeah, I don't know the details. I don't know if Judges is going to be out there. I'll have to give him a shout and see if he is. But I don't know the details. I think Robbie will be on AFTV for sure. Okay, definitely. So thank you so much. and uh, Have a blessed day. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jay. That's an appreciation to Jay for jumping on and answering some questions. Um, there's a lot of people I can see now down in the queue, just a heads up for those waiting. So just be patient, please. Uh, and <laughs> I'll try and get you a running order of guests as soon as I can. But let's bring in uh, Dinny, who's next on the list. Been waiting very patiently. Uh, Dinny, how you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Nothing bad, thanks. Tom, yourself? Yes, not bad, mate. Where are you joining us from? Uh, I'm in the Lake District, Kendall. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I used to visit every single year to the Lake District. Keswick yeah, is where I used to yeah, stay. It's raining, though. It's raining. So um, I would be told, to be fair, if I am going to be really picky, some would say Kendall's not in the Lake District, you know. <laughs> you haven't allowed. <laughs> so I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Some people would <laughs> oh, say. That's it. Fine. I'm out. That's it. I'm leaving. leaving. <laughs> Don't leave me, Diddy. Don't leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me where you're at with Edu, mate. I'm not gonna lie, Tom. Like when I hear, like when the fan base is is, is hammering, putting so much pressure, saying that he could lose his job, it, it's 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 laughable to be honest yeah. for me. Because I feel yeah. like this guy, he's came in a in, in a club where it wasn't distraught, where we had no direction, and he's the one who, <clears throat> well, him and Mikel, who's who've engineered us to be in this place where we even have hope. Of winning the the league, we, we couldn't think about that like that a couple of years ago. And now, as soon as like again, as soon as you face a little bit of adversity, or, or not everything's going to be great. As soon as there's a little bit of uncertainty, we turn into these like I don't know, ungratefuls of saying, "Ah, oh, that's it, pressure on him, send him out." We didn't win the league. Like, who is guaranteed a league besides Man, uh, Man City? Yeah. No one else. You know what I mean? Like this guy is is going pound for pound with a team where they could buy a hundred million player and put him on the bench. Yeah, I do. He has to compete <laughs> with that. Like they can buy, they can do that, and no one cares. But mm. as soon as you, you get the, have, uh, is that I guess the retort is Liverpool. You know, Liverpool will be the retort who have won a Champions League and have won a Premier League title in the last what six six years or so. Klopp joined in twenty six fifteen. I think it was fifteen he joined. Um, and they've won a league title and a Champions League. So people would say, well, Man City have done this, but what would you say to people that would say, well, look at Jurgen Klopp and what he's done at Liverpool? 100% look at Jurgen Klopp. How many years has Jurgen Klopp been in a managerial position? And what does Jurgen Klopp got to do with what Edu does? You know what I mean? This guy, he's, it's his first gig of being a manager. He's mm. learning on the job, and mm. him learning on the job is putting us in places where... We could not even think about. We thought he was the guy to like. He's a, he's a stepping stone. But every single time when he has his team firing, when they've when when like the players are on top form, we 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 doing things that we didn't expect. Like as much as we all wanted Rice, we didn't expect that we were going to pull it off. No, we and thought, oh, City yeah. as well. Well, and beating Man City to his signing as well. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly things mm. like that. Mm. And it's 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 sad, man. Like I, I was saying even to actually one of my workmates, saying, I love Arsenal, but the fans, I don't know, man. They kind of make me fall out of love with the team. Mm. Even listening to some of the, 
Um, like even judges themselves, I know you're talking about it. Like even the, the guys, my boy, like, I, I I love them. I love AFTV. I, love, I watch them every single time. But it's the flip flopping of one week everything is fine. The one soon as we lose, they say we're not winning the league. Everybody's and then that filters down to the twitters. That filters down to the 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 fan bases that you know on social media. And we, I don't think we need that 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 up and down. Like we have to understand who are we, where we are, what are we competing against, and what is realistic for. And and yes, we're going to make mistakes. Ed has well, made mistakes. Why why don't people have that view that you have there? When you say because I, I I'm you know I think we're both on the same page. Here. You know I agree with you. I think the realistically to expect Arsenal to beat Man City to the title at the start of the season. And if Arteta doesn't do that, or if Edu isn't able to bring in the players to do that, they should go, I think is an extreme view. Why do you think people have that view? Oh. <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, that's not an easy one, Tom. But the, 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 the quick one, the, the, that's not a quick one. The one I would say is, do you remember when we would... Be like back in the in, in the Aston Wenger days, we'd be mm. flying high. As soon as we'd reach Jan Feb, we'd dip down. Yeah. And we always always had hope that oh we top of the league, we top of the league. And yeah. then we dip down and then we just filter down and then Man United just goes and wins the league. It it's it's that. I feel like honestly, I think mm. it's 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 we got like trauma from it. As soon as we lose a game, we spiral out of like we are very, oh God, uh, it's happening, it's hap it's happening again. Yeah. We all think, oh crap, there we go again. As soon as we lose, like some of the theories people were having, we could have been if we had beaten this team, now Man City is definitely gonna win everything. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, I like do that all the time, didn't he? I was staring at the table the other day going, if we'd have beaten Fulham and West Ham, we'd be two points clear at the top. It's human. We all do it. It's incredibly. <laughs> but again, this is the team that chases down. I'm not leading by eight points. <laughs> What's two yeah. points going to do? Oh, it's, 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 oh, just to be fair, it's six more than we got. We would have right now, and I would have taken that. That said, you're right. You know, we had a big lead last season. Maybe it suits us being chasers rather than being the ones being chased. But I guess we'll we'll find out come the end of the season, Dinny. I have to say, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you for somebody who lives near the Lake District, not quite inside it. But, oh, come you know. on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> pleasure, mate. Thank you for Later. tuning in, my friend. Cheers, brother. Next time. Cheers, bud. Speak to you soon. Massive appreciation for Dinny. I'm only messing. I'm pretty sure that Kendall is inside the Lake District. I've just, I've never been to Kendall. And I I remember saying to my dad when I was a kid, because I used to go to Lake District every single year. We stayed in Keswick, we stayed in Ambleside, we stayed in Grasmere. You know, it's a lovely place to go. I also went up with a couple of mates a couple of years ago and got stuck. I don't know for those that listen to the channel in the long term, I managed to pop two tyres on one pothole near Scarfell Pike and was stranded for six hours whilst we had to wait to get uh the sort the situation sorted out so uh but i was always told that kendall doesn't it's not quite there but maybe i'm wrong then he's definitely offended by that and i'm sorry anyone from kendall i really apologize it's definitely inside it i'm sure uh Narveen joins us next how are you doing Narveen? you good hi, well hi. yeah i'm well how are you not bad mate not bad other than oh. offending everyone that lives in kendall I'm, <laughs> I'm all good um edu tell me yes okay um well, let's understand Edu's role uh, because uh, 2022, mm. he is uh, sport, is our sporting director, right? Mm. And the roles of sporting director is obviously, you know, scouting network, 
transfer dealings, and then uh, data analysis of the team. We have seen, you know, uh, in his data analysis of the team in like uh, those, uh, what do you call it, all or nothing uh, clips, yep. right, where he would streamline our team to, um, to, to respect the talent of the squad. So he doesn't want to have, you know, passengers in the in the team that's that's why you want sir and uh the thing i have with edu right the gripe is that he doesn't market our players to be sold well you notice because most of our players we leave, they leave based on what contracts uh termination right yeah and the thing is that when you do that the players lose value and then the club lose a player and value in it. We don't we don't earn anything. As compared, like people model Liverpool because I don't know how they do it, but they tend to market their fringe players very well. You know? Yes, they sell and then, better. Though. And they sell better, you know. Like yeah. I think they sold Solanke for like 35 or 40 million to Bournemouth. I don't know how they do that. They and at the time as well for like 30 million pounds. It's 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 a tough one, isn't it? Because like Arsenal historically like before even Edu arrived, yeah, we weren't the best at selling. Like Edu arrived yeah. in I think 2019. Um right. before yeah. he arrived, we sold Lucas Perez, who we bought for like 19 million for three. We sold um the, obviously the key signings that we think about are Oxlade Chamberlain going for big money. Ah, uh, yes, uh, Wobie, will I think be. Will slightly be. after maybe that actually did come under the Rouse and yeah, he Edu part. I mean, but Chesney, who was a starting keeper, went to Juventus for like 16 million quid. Um, <laughs> which is way below. Like Giroud, who's gone on to do great things, went for like 15 million quid. Yeah, it's um, not enough. <laughs> uh, Gabriel Palista went for less than 10 million pounds. Kieran yeah. Gibbs went for like 5 million quid. Serge Gnabry went for a yes. few million. So yeah, it's not enough. Edu, this problem has gone, gone on a long, 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 yeah. long time at Arsenal. And you look at Liverpool and who they've sold. I mean, they sold Fabinho, who wasn't in this. I know he's gone to Saudi, so that's probably a big reason, but like 40-odd million But Coutinho, he sold for a lot of money. <laughs> anyway, from 100 million to a crazy Barcelona is what happened yeah. there. I mean, let, let's discuss, okay, let's discuss also the good things about Edu, okay? Because he has access to the Brazilian talent and, you know, because they speak the same language and it's easier to convince the younger Brazilians to come and join us, not saying that every Brazilian is a good player in like William or you know all all, all the um, how do I say I'm, I'm sure there's other Brazilian players uh, that didn't do so mm. well for us uh, but I mean this is just an example uh, you know and the thing is that when you have that kind of uh, luxury you can convince those Brazilians to come and join us so it does help the team. Uh. And if, I mean, you just have to look at yourself. You like Martinelli, you want to see the next Martinelli, you have to support Edu, you know? Mm. And then uh, he also has a good relationship with the Kronkes and Arteta, and Arteta, our manager. So the thing is that uh, this sporting director, right, he has to bridge the gap between owners and managers and fans alike. And that's the role that is quite difficult to play out now with Edu. Okay. Yeah. And, the, and just to, to point out is that if we think that uh, he's under pressure now. We have to look back during our, I think, like three seasons ago where we didn't do so well. I think we were losing yeah. like, what, 13 games. Uh, and at that time, people were calling, you know, under uh, Ateta to be sacked and all that. Right. I mean, if if we are convinced at that time Edu was doing such a bad job, right? I think, like, 
that was the only time where you see that only Ateta could have gotten a sack or Edu could have gotten a sack or that kind of situations. Now, if you expect these kind of things to happen, it's very not going to happen at all. Yeah, mm. the, the only but kind of pressure... people that say we're Arsenal Football Club, it should happen? It's, oh, we are Arsenal Football Club, we should happen. I mean, I mean, of course, we are a big club and all that. But the thing mm. is that we wouldn't be in this position without, you know, people like Edu on Arteta, you know? Without the signings of Zinchenko or Gabriel Jesus, right, we wouldn't be contesting for the title last season and playing better football than we had three seasons ago. In fact, there I say, I even watched Arsenal during the 0403 season. I mm. actually think we played better football last season as compared to really? Oh, yeah, really, really. Yeah, that is. No, the build-up play was a lot better. I, it was, it was, I'm well, serious. I mean, the build-up play was well a lot better. No, but the thing is that we didn't, we didn't have a power striker in Henri. I mean, we have. if you have that, anything could have happened, right? So, mm. yeah, that's, that's the issue with us. We just need a world-class striker to lift us. And oh, the thing sure. is that in this January window, uh, I'm not sure whether we may see it, because the prices of strikers tend to oh, rise up no. mid-season. Strikers not happening in this window. I bet the only the only the only striker I can see, and it is like a million to one, is if these yeah. Benzema things, you know, with apparently he's coming out today that he wants to he wants to temporarily leave. If he was yeah. to take a serious pay cut and was open to it, that's the only one I can see that's worth doing, really. Yeah. But you know, and I would, by the way, for the records, and I've said this before, if he was available for a reasonable wage, I would mm. happily have him for six months. I think you'd be mad to turn that down, to be honest, for six months. But mm. the idea that that's going to happen, I still think is incredibly far-fetched. So we'll have to wait and see. If, if let's say, we don't get a striker, would you be happy with a midfielder as cover for Pate in terms of Onana? Who? Who would you go for? I mean, if yeah, I would... Window, like a low yeah, need. Yeah, if you don't see a striker, would you be satisfied with just a midfielder in Onana? You know, that word satisfied is an interesting one. It's subjective, isn't it? Because yeah. in my head, I'm thinking, well, the only thing I think Arsenal can do this window is sign someone on loan. Okay. So I'm going to sign someone on loan. It's not going to be a striker because I don't think there's any striker bar Benzema if he's available that you can get on loan that's, that's good enough. So then okay. you look to midfield, you look to defence. Where are we shorter? Well, Partey's meant to be coming back. So it depends on how much you want to risk his fitness record for the rest of the season when he does come back. He'll be back sooner than Timber will. I think if you get if you if you need to sign a player on loan, I think the defense is actually more in need of the depth. Really? Um defense for a temporary okay. signing. Because you've got Rice, you've got um Jorginho, yeah. El Nenny obviously will be coming back. I don't want to see him playing necessarily because I think that we've got very bare bones. But uh, the okay. other question obviously is which midfielder is going to come in that's going to be better than Jorginho on loan? Oh, yeah. I mean I, I would still I would still prefer Onana. And like what you say, I would still prefer at least a striker on loan. Yeah. Do you Probably prefer a striker it... than a midfielder. Uh I mean I would prefer both, but not if obviously. we only have, that, if we have to pick one or the other, I think I would prefer the midfielder, because let's mm. let's be frank here. Okay, last season we still played well with Jesus. Okay, it's just that the def the defending midfield in Pate wasn't there to bridge the gap between defense to to midfield to strike. Mm. Mm. And the thing is that we need that kind of bridge. Yeah, I am going to put a uh, a poll into the chat box. Um... And uh, the, the poll is going to be, uh, what would you rather our final loan be? Uh, a striker, a midfielder, a defender, 
please bear in mind what <laughs> would re be realistic, clever, you know, what would be realistic. I would want like, Mbappé. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd love that, but uh, <laughs> Naveen, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure as always to speak with you. Thank you for joining thank me, you, mate. You. See you soon. Massive thanks to Naveen. Uh, I've left that poll in the chat box. You can get voting on that uh, as we take our last uh, few callers. Jordan is up next. Give him time to prepare himself. There we go. How are you doing, Jordan? Tom, what's going on, man? Thank yeah, you it's going me. good, mate. It's going good. Thank you for, for calling in. What made you want to tune in? Oh, man. I just, uh, I think that the I just think that there's an overestimation of how much we're going to get right. And I think that if you were what to you give me the, what's up, what do you mean by an overestimation of what we, we think we will get right? Oh, I'm going to get killed by the standards merchants out there, but I just, <laughs> Mate, I take them on every week. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> I just, I just think that if you were to give me the, the, on, on every level algorithmically of like what we've gotten right in terms of signings and, what we've gotten wrong and the money we've spent on those because you've made a good point of the big signings for the most part have done really well and it's okay if you take mm. a brighton model of we're gonna fail fast with cheaper options um that I, I would take that for the next five years if you look at the last five years and you're like hey you're gonna get just about just about that same amount of things right going forward would you take that over the next five years i, I would and you don't mm. get where we, you don't go from where we were to where we are without getting a lot more right than wrong and and you know the jury's out on a couple things for sure. But the idea that like, you know, if people go out and list all the, the players that they think have been a bad signing, whether it's a bad deal or have not panned out quality wise, like sure. every team is going to have a podcast going on right now, listing a bunch of players that didn't work out. It's, it's part of the game. You're gambling. And the point is to make, you know, the net positive is to make the net positive signings that end up being a net positive and, and along the way there's going to be scorched earth and, and people that fall off along the way that weren't great signings and that's that's just part of it and i just think that there's overestimation of how much we're going to get right because there are things that we didn't get right that isn't a a, a, a stick to beat edu it that's just part of how this goes mm. no i think it's really well summed up so you think there's an expectation of perfection in a way um and that we can't afford to make any mistakes. Otherwise, it's curtains, effectively, for some. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be the, I don't want to have no standards. I don't want to do the opposite. No, of and course just not. You know, um, and I think that for the first time, I've been, uh, I've felt a little bit with the Havertz deal and with the Raya, not the deal in itself. I think the deal is amazing and actually yeah. uh, a real notch on the belt of Edu. It's like one of the most amazing signings. You know, if we didn't, if, if it didn't create the goalkeeper keeper dynamic that I think we can agree has been, you know, either at best a neutral, most likely a, a, a little bit of a negative, just as far as the dynamic is concerned. Yeah, but that's um, fine to to say. Like I, I could I could hear it in your voice, Jordan. Like the resistance to almost you know raise these points because I feel like we've got into something of a dynamic as Arsenal fans of, of being on a side almost, and that we can't we we either feel like we have to say Arteta's the guy. He's perfect. He can do no wrong. And you're in that camp. And if you say anything wrong, you're a flip-flop against, you know, if you say anything critical, you're a flip-flop. And on the other side, people feel as though that they've, ca they've camped themselves in the corner of Arteta can do no right. He's not the guy to take us forwards. And therefore, I can never say anything positive about him. Ultimately, I like to think that at the channel, we're in the middle of that. And, you know, we can criticize what's worthy of being criticized. And I think you raised a fair point about the Havertz deal. There's a lot of question marks about that at the moment. And the, the goalkeeping situation, you're right to point out that the Raya deal in itself, in closed analysis, was a great bit of business by Edu. 
Arteta wanted him. Edu's tasked with going and getting him with the restrictions that we've got. And he master planned that, you know, to get that deal done. And not only that, but the option in the end of it, as we discussed with Rob earlier, at £27 million is an incredibly cheap valuation, I think, of a player of his quality at his age as a goalkeeper as well. And I think, you know, there's something to be said potentially on the youth side when we have these debates about the youth and, and about selling as well. I think there's opportunities we might have missed to give some youth players a chance. And I think there are opportunities where we could have sold players better as well but they are what I look to as the the things I think we can improve but over and Arteta's in-game management I'd probably point to as something else too but they are dwarfed by the progression that we have made under this manager under this regime under this ownership since they took full control in 2018 and that's not a popular thing to praise the owners in particular any more so than it is Arteta and Edu but we've progressed an incredibly long uh incredibly amount of time so I, I've, I've said this, Jordan, I think that the best analogy is that you have an end goal as a club. And for me, the end goal is for Arsenal to be competing and winning titles for a sustained period. It's not just a case of bringing in a manager to have a three-year project, win a title, leave, leave us as a shambles. I want to see sustained success at Arsenal Football Club. And I think that the manager, the director and the owners that we have right now have us on a track going in the direction where it's taking us closer to that end goal. Do you think that we're ever likely to get into a position where we may see an alternative that gets us there faster? I know that's a toughie, but that's that's the question. That is a tough one. And, and even that is absolutely a tough one. And, uh, and talking about Arteta's game management, we can talk about that in a sec. But I also think that it's not, it's un, man, it really kills me. It's so unfortunate that of the players that have had long-term injuries that Timber and Partey have been out, because I think we're viewing all of this, you know, if Arteta is sitting home at night this summer, dreaming up exactly the chessboard that he wants with the players moving, Timber and Partey are such a crucial piece of that. And I, and I don't, I just don't think we're, I think that without them, we're seeing a game and an integration of Havertz that wasn't meant to be. I'm not saying he wasn't meant to play at the left eight and we can have critique yeah. of if, you know, we just don't think, I, I don't love seeing him in that position. Yeah. I, I, not to make this about Havertz, I actually think that... No, no, no I, I like this point. Th there's a, there's a, the Luton goal, right? I mean, there's a recycle of the right-hand triangle. Um, I could be mixing that up, whatever. There's a recycle on the right-hand side, and the mm. ball comes back to Odegaard, and he plays a left-footed in-swinger to the back post. And I feel like that was such a... Arteta must have been dreaming about that goal because <laughs> when we see Saka and Martinelli getting doubled yeah. on the side, that that is how we beat that. And that, mm. to me, is the something Brentford that... Goal, right? It, you're, it, you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the Luton goal. Uh, the uh, Luton one as well. But I think that the... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it was Zinchenko and Odegaard on the left that led to Declan Rice's goal. Yeah, um, there's there's yeah. also a lot of times that Odegaard's in that right pod with Saka. And there's yeah. that... that I'm thinking that if we're going to put Havertz at left eight, he's going to play second striker. He's going to go hang out in the back post, overload the back bar, that, yeah. that we have to start playing that ball more. And I feel like there's a bit of a reluctance. And and I and I mm. see that. We're not like a, you know, we're not a cross-heavy team. We have never been. There's a bit more ticky-tacka, more passing, more control. But I feel like if we're going to put Havertz in the left eight, we're going to shove him as a second striker, put him back bar, then we have to start, you know, giving Saka and Martinelli some relief by actually playing that ball and and being a threat with that kind of reverse pass. I know we got a, a little bit off topic, but as far as Havertz in the left eight, no, if he's no. going to do that, we have to play to his strengths in that way because his strengths are not what Chaka's were. They're not fast moving the ball. They're not, you know, making those darting runs into the box. They are yeah. 
making that back post run and we got to play that ball if we're going to play him there. Yeah, and I think that you touched, you were leading towards it. Uh, you were not the right pod thing. I really think it's a great point. But the if Thomas Partey was available for us this season, we'd be seeing Partey and Rice in the middle. And it'd be Rice really doing what Xhaka was doing. I, I don't like templating, if you like, other players and what they did onto others. I think players, are you know, they're, they're there in merit of their own qualities. Um, but the Havertz thing, I think is he's been playing there as a result of Partey's absence more than anything else. I think that, yes, he probably would have played some games in midfield. He may have rotated with Erdogan a bit more. He may have rotated with Jesus a bit more. He may have come on as a sub um, and been more of an impactual player in games in which we need a different option up top. But for the most part, I think that actually Partey and Rice would have played together because, you know, Partey had his best available season last year with 30-plus games. Yes, I know that we can't necessarily rely on his availability, but last season indicated that he was supposed to be more available than we had become used to with Partey. And so that's what I think they banked on. Plus, Timber's absence as well has impacted things massively so. Um, but, Jordan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your comments. Spoke really, really well on those. And uh, do you run a channel? Because you're very professionally well set up. So I'm assuming I, you I might. Yeah, I have a health and fitness podcast. So. Brilliant. Yeah. Give it a shout out, mate. Uh, it's called Where Optimal Meets Practical. And so we just talk about things in health and fitness, not taking it all too seriously. It's, it's, it's almost like that slogan goes alongside Arteta in some ways, actually. Um, yeah, Where Optimal Meets Practical. Uh, because there's a lot of things that we would like Arsenal to do practically but what might be optimal in Arteta's own philosophy may not fit that design so yeah that's really apt um lovely stuff thank you Jordan thanks Tom Keep it much appreciate that Jordan uh do make sure you go and check out his pods and um and give him plenty of love in the chat box fantastic stuff uh, our potential final caller this evening is going to be Basha uh who is an absolute legend for being so potential final caller I like that joins us mate I'm open to it but I'm also conscious that dinner is being made at some point so and I would just like to say that not to say that dinner happens while I'm making pods. I've done two lots of washing <laughs> today. I cleaned out the pantry. I, yes, I have a pantry. <laughs> that is so bad. Middle class thing ever. Uh, it's a cupboard where food is. That is all that it is, and it's tiny. Wow, okay. Um, so Daniel, okay. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Likewise. Tell me you've on to this call in particular. Uh... I was intrigued by uh, the headline whether uh, uh, Edel should feel uh, pressure or I just want to start by saying every employee should feel pressured to perform up to the expected standard and to deliver as per the agreed on targets. So whether so he has uh, for me he is under pressure. Same applies to Arteta and to every yeah. employee should feel pressure to deliver. And uh, I understand that we as a club had made the decision to uh, use this two gentlemen, these, those two gentlemen, Edu and Arteta, in their first job. So there is a learning curve to be expected, mm. definitely. Uh, the question becomes, and mistakes will happen on the different aspects of how we manage our club. The question should be, are we making the same mistakes or are we learning from our mistakes and maybe making new ones? So uh, that's also an interesting point for me. Uh, I totally agree with you when you say that uh, Edu is responsible for making Arteta's vision come to life. 
Uh, although I also I would also I also like to think that there is some sort of a discussion that goes around those decisions. It's not just uh, an Arteta uh, call at the end of the day. Uh, and I wonder if Arteta is uh, challenged enough from uh, his, by his team, uh, whether it's uh, Edu when it comes to squad construction or contracts or play new players, or whether it's his tactical uh, team, uh, his, his uh, coaching team when it comes to the tactical stuff. Because uh, if we, if I look at uh, Edu, for example, are we uh, still repeating some of our old mistakes? I'm afraid we are. I'll give you a, a very quick example. We left Nketia, <clears throat> sorry, we left Nketia till the last month of his contract. We didn't sell him when we could have had some decent money for him. We left him for the last month of his contract and we ended up probably overpaying him for a new contract. And guess what? A year or two years later, we do the same mistake with Nelson, with Reese. We leave him also to the last month of the contract and we give him a contract. I'm not sure whether it's because we really want him or we didn't want to lose him for free. Yeah. So well, that's, I mean, if you sell Nketiah and Nelson, you're going to get pure profit because they're Highland graduates. So Yes, yes. Hmm. So, and which brings me to selling. I mean, you and all the callers have uh, touched base on selling, so I'm not going to repeat what you guys have said. But my only worry is that when we look at our sellable assets, it's Ramsdale, Smithrow, Nketiah, and Derice, right? But guess what? Those four players are homegrown. Mm. You can you cannot get rid of all your four of your homegrown players in one shot. Mm. So well, that's not replace them. So and yeah, expensive. replacing. Yeah. So in terms of Edu, again, let's cycle uh, back to Edu. Uh, I worry about our uh, contract management, as I gave you an example. Mm -hmm. I worry about our uh, academy. And uh, I blame Arteta partially because uh, he is kind of reluctant to use uh, youth and give them enough chances. But I also give him the benefit of the doubt is that maybe we don't have players coming, good enough players coming from the I academy. Think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Right? Yeah, exactly. This is a point which I don't think actually gets spoken about enough. Like We, we, we see Saka, we see Smith Rowe, we see moaning about Nketiah and Nelson, ironically. Do we ever talk, do we ever ask the question of maybe the kids aren't actually good enough? Right, and the the ones we uh, have hopes on now are all sixteen or seventeen years old. So four years ago, when Arteta, when Edu and Arteta took over, they were like thirteen. So if our academy has not generated a single player over four years, then we have uh, something to look at there. And this falls under Edu in my book. Yeah, I think that. Selling is definitely going to be something that is that he will continue to be scrutinised on, um, for yeah. sure. Uh, I think that the youth side of things is an interesting one because for him to be better at selling youth players, he's got to rely on his manager to, to give them more of a shop window. But or, then, or we can better yeah. loan them out. We really suck at loaning out players. Also, who? How would you say we could have loaned players better? Give me an example. Um... Examples, I mean, loaning them better at the right age, giving them a proper chance to shine and either sell them, make some money mm -hmm. or bring them back. But majority of our players who go to uh, uh, loan, who we loan out, I feel it's just a loan out because we're unable to sell them and 
we never really end up getting any value of a player that we loaned out and came back. Well, Saliba, of course, yeah. Balogun, we got 35, 34 yeah, million pounds. Yeah, yeah. Balogun and Saliba, yeah. Mm, I don't, but, I think I see, the... but I see how right. Liverpool and uh, Man City are loaning their players also. And if you check at the championship, how many you'll find many players from mm. our competition. Well, I mean, this season we mm. have loaned, I'm looking at, um, we've loaned Marquinhos since come back. Um, we have loaned Runison, Aconquo, Laconga. Uh, we've loaned Grashik, Catalin Kurjan, Bandera, Mika Bireth, Charlie Patino, Brooke Norton Cuffey, Tyrese John Jules, Salah Adin, Nathan Butler, Roy Adeji, Omar Rekic, Alex Kirk, yeah. Kino Taylor Hart. Yeah. Uh, who, who of those are you uh, expecting to get back uh, for the first team squad the next year after this loan? A completely fair question. I think you'd probably say, yeah. like, um, Charlie Patino's got potential. Probably, that. Yeah. But I would say, like, you brought up, obviously, Manchester City. How many of their loanies are we expecting to break into their first team on a regular basis in the, the coming ones, seasons either? The ones they don't, they sell for decent prices, yeah. Mm. So does yeah, Chelsea. So does Liverpool. I think if you look to the amount of investment in the Manchester City youth system compared to the investment in the Arsenal youth system, you'd see a massive difference. You know, Man yeah, City course, yeah. me signed players from Manchester United's youth academy. You yes. know. And City have always the option to loaning out players to other City group clubs like Girona. They have a couple of exactly. guys on loan and Girona. And of course, this helps mm, also. It's a great point. It's a great point. And they can sign players at those clubs as well that Man City don't even have to sign them. Twack can sign them or Lommel can sign them or Girona can sign them or they're, you know, um, I think there's one in the Eredivisie as well, I think. Um, but, you know, they, they've got so many options. Um, to, to it's, it's incredible the advantage that they have. Uh, any final thoughts, Bash, or anything you think I haven't answered that you want to push? Um, no, I think we've covered it all, yeah. It's always a pleasure to chat to you, mate. Always genuinely. And uh, I hope Thanks. things are doing well for you. Same for you. Thanks, brother. Thanks, mate. Speak to you soon. Absolute legend, Basher. Uh, always a pleasure to speak with him. Uh, we have got another caller because I bullied him um, into coming on the show. <laughs> it's Damien. How are you doing, Damien? Take yourself off mute and, uh, and tell everyone that I bullied you into coming on. Yeah, you absolutely did, Tom. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can, mate. Clearing, Chris. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, very well yourself. Yeah, all good, mate. All good. So what is it about Edu that you saw the title and like, oh, I really wish I could have come on the show and then were completely manipulated into doing so? <laughs> well, it, basically, it frustrates me when we, it's the Edu out, Arteta out, all this sort of stuff. That yeah, When things are going well, people shut up and you don't hear anything. Mm. When things are not going as well, I'm not going to say badly because they're not going badly, but when things are yeah. not going as well, that's when all the voices come out. They don't actually take the time to sit there and actually look at where we were to where we where we are mm. and who's played a part in that are things perfect yeah. no are they ever going to be perfect no but it should mm. be about perspective and about being a bit realistic about things and frankly growing up a bit and just processing thoughts mm. yeah i think you're right uh, i think you echo a lot of my thoughts that i've said i think that where arsenal are right now compared to last season is we aren't as competitive as we were last season. Is there mm. reasons for that? Absolutely there are. Liverpool are much better this season. We've lost our best midfielder, even though we've added another £100 million one 
that was available for most of last season. You know, the thirty-eight million pound investment on Timber is not materialised. Yeah. You know, it's it's frustrating. And also on top of that, we we lost Jesus for periods. We lost Trossard. We lost Martinelli. We'd lost Vieira. We lost Smith Rowe. We even lost Erdegaard for certain games as well. Um, Zinchenko's obviously been missing. Tommy Asu's been missing. We have had obviously absences this season, whilst having to deal with the fact that it's not just one title challenger we've got to deal with, it's two with Liverpool yeah. back this season. So, but what would you say if I know you've been listening to, to at least a portion of this? So, you may have heard what I was talking to with yeah, Jordan was, about the legitimate uh, watching watch it, listen to it on the bus on the way home from work. What would you say beyond maybe the criticisms I've already raised can be kind of finger pointed at if you like? I'm not sure there really is to me. I mean, for me, Edu's main main issue is the whole selling side of it that you've already covered. You know, mm. you, you look at what prices other teams get for players and you think, why can we not get better than what we're getting? Not necessarily get the same as what they're getting, but mm. surely we can do better. You know, like you say, the, the most appalling piece of business we've done in recent years for me, as you were saying earlier, is the Leno situation. You know, mm. how he can go for as cheap as what he is. And so I'm not sure there's anything new really to add, but it's just the fact that we do need to get better at selling. But in terms of what we're buying, there's been one or two misses. I'm not going to mention the obvious one that everyone brings up. But you mm. go back to, you know, say Fabio Vieira, for example. Yeah. That, He's the other one, yeah. Yeah, other you mate. know, and obviously Edu and Arteta plan who they want in, for each season, you know, they've probably already planned who they want to bring in in the summer by now. And what you mm. maybe have to ask is, you know, and I think you touched on this earlier, that Arteta is not the type of manager that's just going to be, take what he's given. He's going to have an opinion on who he wants. Mm. And he certainly wouldn't, he's not He's not a first-team coach that will just take a new, a new player and be happy with it. You know, he will have to know sure. who that player is, whether it's going to fit his system and all that sort of stuff. And you look at, some of the players that have come in with Xavier and the most obvious one, and you wonder whether Edu's actually challenging Arteta on any of this, you know, because you, you could look at it and say, How does that person fit into your system? Yeah, you know, do you not think we're better at going for somebody else? What we don't know is what then conversations are, and we don't mm. know whether Edu has challenged Arteta on those, but at mm. the same time, what we also don't know is what restrictions Edu might be given by the Cronkies as well, yeah. And obviously the, the the rules of the the league and your UEFA yeah. as well obviously come into it. Uh, the you said you don't want to mention Havertz. I, th I still think it's it's obviously a part a part of it's a big part of this season. I, mm. I think that the Havertz deal is is something that that could be a sword that that is fallen on yeah. um, in some ways because if it doesn't work out in the long run, add that to Vieira, you've got a hundred million pounds worth of investment there that could have been spent better. You know. Yeah, I mean, Havertz alone, you, you look at what we could have got mm. with that money. And th this is where I come to the part about does Edu challenge Arteta? Yeah. You know, because if Havertz was someone that Arteta wanted, if he's telling said to him, I want Kai Havertz, does Edu not look at that and say, well, these are the positions we're looking at strengthen, strengthening. How do you think Havertz is better in that position than what the scouting team has already presented you? You know, and we, we everyone's crying out for a striker. You know, we, we need this person that can put in however many goals a season. We need a number eight, you know, or we need a holding midfield. Where does Kai Havertz fit into all of that as the best yeah. possible option? 
Yeah, I, I honestly believe that he was brought in to be a different option for us as a forward player mm. and that the midfield usage of him is purely been stemmed from the unavailability of Thomas Partey. Do you, um, do you think that they already had eyes on David Raya? Yeah. Before the Havertz... Because obviously, I'm going back to... We've, we had eyes on him for years, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with, with, with yeah. Raya, obviously, part of his success of his distribution at Brentford was yeah. launching the ball up to Ivan Tony, that mm. tall target mm. man that he can mm. find. And when you see David Raya put them ball that them balls forward, a lot of the time he is aiming for Kai Havertz. Yeah. And, you know, I just kind of think, was that part of the thought process that we want to bring David Raya in? We need a target person that he can aim for. And that's where Kai Havertz came from. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the lineup for the game against Man City in the Community Shield. I know Jesus wasn't available for that game, but it was obviously Ramsdale in goal because Raya hadn't signed yet. But it was White, Saliba, Gabriel, Timber, Rice, Partey, Erdegaard, Saka, Havertz, Martinelli. And, you know, I, I, I feel as though that team besides Raya, you know, is, is probably, of Jesus and Havertz, uh, is, is probably, you know, six, some half dozen and the other. But I mm. think that that team is probably what Arteta envisioned to be our best 11 for the yeah, season, really. And that's where we've been done in with... Partey being injured for mm. so much of the season. Because, and Timber, obviously, as well. Yeah, but, yeah, because, I mean, it, uh, from what we saw, saw in the little we've actually seen of Timber, he looks like he's going to be an amazing player for us. Mm. But we've also not been able to benefit from having the Partey-Rice partnership in that centre of midfield, which would free up Rice to be able to make more of them marauding runs forward towards the box that he does every now and then. Indeed. Um, Damien, it's been a genuine pleasure. I'm glad you took the time to jump on. No, no, thank you. Uh, I hope you will again. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, mate. Enjoy the rest thank of you. the evening. Thank you. Ta-da. Thanks, Damien, for coming on. Much appreciate your time and all of our callers as well from today's show. It's been a pleasure to speak with with more of you. I promised you we'd do a phone-in. I've delivered you that phone-in. So uh, uh, not that I didn't want to. <laughs> I certainly did. And it's always a, a, a joy to, to speak with the listeners and put faces to names in so many cases. However, I do feel an element of regret. I feel like I shouldn't have talked about the pantry. The pantry was a terrible thing to, to, to bring up. That uh, was... I should explain. I feel like I'm going to have to send a picture of it to my Discord server now just to show you how pathetic it is. And I only say it that because the missus calls it that, okay? And it's it's embedded in my vocabulary now as what that cupboard that includes a fair few tins of baked beans has become called the pantry. I don't live in some 15th century Victorian home with a butler. It, it's, really, I don't. Trust me. <laughs> I'm asking you to trust me. Oh, dearie me. Um, but thank you for all of the kind words and the less kind ones in relation to that last uh, quip. But I really appreciate your time. I'll be back tomorrow morning, of course, as always, bright and early at 8 a.m. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your evening, day, uh, morning, wherever you happen to be in the world. And uh, yes, indeed, I will speak to you then. Have a fantastic time. Stay safe, stay well, stay happy. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. 
Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.